Alrighty. Didn't do any weather or wildfire forecasting today, but still learned some things about communication, including not being overly confident that what you're saying is right. Uh, it's also nice sometimes to summarize when you're interviewing someone. And then I also came across, again, that same point that I've talked about in previous podcasts about the importance of telling stories when you're trying to teach something. So I'll just dive into that first point. The not being overly confident that what you're saying is right. And I've actually talked about this in past podcasts as well. But I came across it again today because I finished a book last night and then thought, eh, I'll start a new one. Went to my bookshelf, pulled something out. And it was interesting because at the beginning of this book, there was a foreword by the publishers kind of pointing out some passages in the book that they disagreed with and then giving their justification for why they disagreed with it. First off, I thought that was kind of a weird thing to do because if you're buying a book, you're looking for the author's opinion, not the publisher's. So I thought it was kind of weird for that reason. But it was more the more interesting thing that I got from it because I'm not really invested in either side of the author's opinion or the publisher's opinion, either way. But it was interesting just seeing my reactions to what the foreword was saying, because they're taking out some passages in the book that they disagreed with, saying why they disagreed with it, and then almost a little bit trying to convince you or kind of correct the author for making an error. Now, it was interesting because the first few points they made I kind of understood it, even kind of leaned toward what they were saying, like, yeah, that makes sense. But then the last one, it, it wasn't even something that I agree with or disagree with, but it's something that history has shown that the correction the publisher was trying to make was completely false. And you know, people make mistakes, that's okay, but it was the tone that they were saying it in that kind of bothered me. Or it didn't really bother me, but it, it made me think differently about the person writing the forward. Because before I was like, yeah, they have their points and I understand why they're making them. Okay, that makes sense. But then when I saw this last point where they felt the need to correct the author. And then their correction that they were portraying as, oh, well, be careful when you read this passage because it's actually not true. But their correction was completely wrong. And it just... It's just an interesting situation because it kind of makes the person who's making that point seem like they're blinded by their own biases. That's what I think it is. Almost, if you want to go even a step farther, kind of ideologically possessed. That they're so convinced of their ideas that they believe that it's truth. And you know, we all have our beliefs, we all have our ideas, so I understand that. But what I'm trying to get forward or to as a communicator is being able to keep an open mind. And, well, actually, that's more of like as a thinker, trying to keep an open mind. Being able to see both sides of an argument. Actually just trying to discover the truth instead of trying to just convince myself that I'm already right or look for content that just confirms what I already believe. That's, I've done that 
not really into that anymore. I want to try to get an open mind and be able to just see things objectively, or as objectively as I can. And I, I don't want to be so convinced of an idea that one, I am willing to look the other way at the truth, or two, that I'm willing to believe something that's a lie. Even worse than that, because, you know, that's bound to happen. You can't be expected to know everything. But what I don't want to do is, as a communicator, I never want to speak as if what I'm saying is truth, or I know that I'm right, and any other way to think is just, oh, not correct, or it's wrong, or how could anyone even think that? That was the tone I was getting in this forward. Oh, how could anyone even think this? This is, he just doesn't know. And it was, it was just so funny because the person writing this was just completely wrong in, in this case. And again, it might be sound hypocritical because of me saying that as I'm saying, don't assume that you're right. But this is like a historical fact that I don't think is exactly disputed to this day. So... That's why I can... Actually, you know, that's actually a good point. When can you be confident enough to assume that you're right? I don't have the answer to that. I think that's something that I'm going to have to continue to think about. And it's something that I've talked about in past podcast episodes. Where I don't know where that line is between being confident in what you believe and saying what you believe and sometimes that is a necessary quality of a leader but also balancing that with keeping an open mind and not assuming you're right and whoever you're talking to is wrong because that's not a conversation that's not a dialogue that's you delivering a message that's a speech that's a lecture it's a debate and it's viewing the person you're talking at as kind of the enemy. And that's not what conversation and communication is about. In good communication, it's a partnership towards the truth. Sounds a little bit cliche, but that is what you're trying to do. So I think it's I think the correct answer there is maybe just staying humble and being willing to admit when you're wrong. Being willing to stand up for yourself when you're confident of something. But most importantly, staying humble. And not assuming that you have the truth and other people don't. And not assuming that you're right. But understanding that everybody, including you, is trying to figure it out as we go along. You don't have all the answers now. Based on your experience, you have some idea of what you think could be right or true, but you really don't know. And as long as you keep growing and developing, what you believe is going to keep changing. And that's exactly what you want. That's a key thing. Would you rather be who you are right now, or would you rather be the thing that transforms who you are right now? If you want to be who you are right now, that's kind of leaning towards the side of just being stuck in whatever you believe, wanting to confirm everything you believe, 
and being willing to believe things that aren't true and not believe things that are true just because of which side is saying what. That goes along with being who, staying is who you are. Now, if you actually want to identify with the thing that transforms who you are, that's where you're constantly breaking down what you believe, some of the things. Obviously, you can't do it all at once. But just focusing on betterment and growth and just transforming, becoming better. Being willing to put a part of you aside if you realize that something better comes along or if you realize there's a mistake somewhere. Instead of ignoring the mistake, you accept it, kind of take that hit, and then you bounce back stronger with more knowledge. That's what you want to be doing as a communicator. You want to be collecting ideas and be able to communicate them out but just because you're communicating them out, don't assume that what you're saying is true. Commun- One of the purposes of communicating out your ideas is to get some of that feedback. That's actually what you're looking for when you say what you believe. You're looking for an objection. And you actually want to listen. It's a key part of communication right there. Maybe the key part is listening. And actually think about what the other person's saying. Because they have a different perspective and they're just as likely to be right as you are. Sometimes. In some cases, if you've done a lot more research than them, you are more likely to be right. But you never know. And a lot of times, if you listen carefully enough, even if someone is 99% wrong, that 1%, if you adopt that into your own thinking that you didn't have before, you still learn from them. There's almost always something that you can learn from everybody. That's why you never want to view communication or conversations as a battle or the other person as the enemy. Maybe not even just in communication, but in life. Because there's always something that you can learn from someone else. And then that's a key step of becoming a better thinker and communicator yourself. So the main takeaway there. Don't be overly confident that you are right and that you hold the truth. I think be confident in what you say, but understand and be humble enough to know that you could be wrong. I think that's a good way to put it. All right, the second little lesson today I was watching an interview between two experts that I have listened to a lot in the past, not so much recently, but brilliant minds. And one of them was interviewing the other, and he was doing just an amazing job. Amazing job. Few key things that I noticed were the bit, well, the best thing that he was doing was. You could tell that he had prepared like crazy for this. It seemed like he'd read the guy's books, watched the guy's videos. He knew... It almost seemed like he knew the other guy's philosophy as well as the other guy knew it. Like sometimes he was making points for the guy that the guy forgot. (laughs) He knew the other guy's philosophy in and out. And the reason that that was so helpful in this interview 
was he knew exactly how he wanted to direct this conversation, and he knew the exactly the most interesting things that the other person had to offer. So he knew what to ask them, ask the person, so that the interesting the interview was as interesting as possible, and the audience got to learn as much as possible. How he did that? He would actually kind of summarize the points as he believed them, and then say, you're the expert though, like, can you expand on that? Or what am I missing? Or he would even use his summary as like a segue into the second half of the point he was trying to make and say like, can you explain the next part of this? And then he did another thing that I loved was after the other person would talk, the other person would sometimes talk for quite a long time. He might have had some five or ten minute stretches where he was just talking. Side note, that was another great thing the interviewer did. Didn't interrupt. Maybe a couple little interruptions here and there, but for the most part, no interruptions at all. Just let the guy talk, which is something I love. Nobody likes it when an interviewer or even the interviewee, I think that's what you call them, is interrupting a lot, especially when it's an interview over Zoom. That just gets very annoying. It almost becomes unwatchable, no matter who it is. So it was great to see that he was letting the person talk. But because of that, sometimes the person would talk for maybe five or ten minutes. And then the interview did something. interviewer did something great. Every time that person would finish, the interviewer would summarize it again in his own words in a very clear and concise manner. So if the audience was kind of dozing off or... In a few cases, the person being interviewed got a bit technical. The interviewer did a great job of explaining it in very simple terms, in ways anybody can understand. So it was actually the best of both worlds. The interviewer gave like a little summary. Then the person being interviewed would kind of go into the weeds, and then the interviewer would give another summary of what the person had just said. So it's almost like a triple dose of information where you're getting the same points three different times and in three different ways. Great to see. That is something I should definitely bring into the interviews I've been doing. I think the biggest one I can work on, I would say I've been good about not interrupting. I would even say I've been trying to do the thing where I summarize what the other person's saying. I think the biggest one I need to work on is preparation for the interviews because I'm taking up some experts time and they have some incredibly interesting knowledge and usually the more someone is an expert the finer tuned their knowledge is the less general it is so you don't want to ask general questions you want to ask finely tuned questions for example the interviewer in this video I was watching would be like alright so you pointed out eight different things that blah 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 like, could you expand on these eight points? And then the guy, boom, 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 would go through it. If you just ask like a general question of, oh, how does this work? Wouldn't be nearly as good. Wouldn't be nearly as effective. And you want to be able to help the person being interviewed say what they're already confident in saying. You want to you wanna just like hand, hand it to them on a, I don't know. I don't know what the saying is. Make it easy for them. Ask them questions that you know they know the answers to. 
and are maybe the most qualified people in the world to answer that question. That's what you want to do. Now, another one I was reading another book, and it is actually the book that I've talked about in previous podcasts. All right, I should just summarize that last one. Again, the summary on that is, as an interviewer, come prepared, know exactly what kind of questions you're going to ask. Then, summarize the points, both before and after they talk, and also don't interrupt them. I just remembered another great thing that the interviewer did that I want to just quickly say. And that was at one point in the interview, the guy starts talking about a point that you could tell that the interviewer wanted to end on. He wanted this to be the final question because it ends with kind of like a good solution. It's a good ending. And this actually was the one time he kind of interrupted the guy. He says, you know, I do really want to talk about that, but I do want to actually save that for the end because I think that's a good point to end on. He actually just explained exactly why he was interrupting him. And he's like, but first, I want to talk about this, this, and this. And I also liked how he laid out, I want to talk about this, this, and this. Because then you knew what was coming. And it was kind of interesting. But it is also kind of fun for it to just flow and not know where a conversation's going. If anything, I might actually like that more. So that's just another good thing right there. All right. Third point. I was reading a book about kind of the importance of storytelling. And the key thing that they said is, if you start to lecture, if you start to throw out a bunch of techno babble, if you start getting into the science and really just all the logical arguments, you've lost the person you're talking to. Unless it's a very short period, like max a minute maybe. Or if it's something that is actually like a lecture. If it's a lecture, I don't know, you could still weave stories into the lecture and it would make it more exciting, but at a certain point, a lecture does kind of need to be a lecture. Key, key thing that I'm saying here, though, is that nobody wants to be lectured to when they're not asking for it or searching out for it. Like, I watch lectures in my free time, but I know that's what I'm getting myself into. What I don't like is if I'm watching an interview and the person feels like they're lecturing in the interview. I didn't see that at all today. It was actually an interview I watched a couple days ago. The person was doing that. And actually, that is an interesting point. If you listen back to a couple podcast episodes ago, one of the interviews I watched was the exact same as that forward I read in the book today where the person made a few points that I somewhat agreed with, so I didn't have any problem with their tone or their communication. But you could tell that they just believed without a doubt that they were right. And then finally, when it came across a point where I I was confident that they were wrong, and they were still that confident that they were right, in both the video and that forward I was reading today, it really just turned me off of the person making that point entirely. It wasn't like I just disregarded that point. It was almost like I kind of disregarded everything else they were saying. 
because it really made me question their judgment. I'll put it that way. So that's another reason that's important. Kind of a kind of a sad note there though. Alright, so the importance of telling stories. When you think about it, it's it actually just makes perfect sense. I mean, how do you learn in real life? Well, how you learn in real life is you go about your day, you have a goal, you try to work towards that goal. Usually you make a couple mistakes, and then you learn from those mistakes, and then at some point you have some kind of epiphany, you figure it out, and you accomplish your goal. That's how you learn things. You want to figure something out, you stumble around a little bit, make some mistakes, you figure it out. Well, first you figure out what doesn't work, then you figure out what does work, and that's learning. That's literally the structure of a story. There's like the call, there's the journey, there's the conflict, and then there's the transformation. So how you learn things in your day-to-day life, usually, is in a story format. Then, and it's that epiphany, that's where you have your initial emotion. It's the first time you realize it, you figure something out. And you're filled with emotion. It's like, yes, I finally figured this thing out. And you understand it emotionally. Then, after you understand something emotionally, and especially if it's like a belief or something, or actually with most things, the next thing you'll do is look up all the reasons that justify it logically. Now, what this book is saying is that then when you go to try to convince someone or teach someone about what you learned, you forget about that whole story format and that original emotional epiphany, and you just get straight into those logical arguments. Not realizing that if you had come across those logical arguments before your epiphany, you would have disregarded them. They wouldn't have meant anything to you. Because you needed to have that initial emotional connection with this idea or this belief in order to even care about all the logical arguments. But regardless, how you learn is in a story format. And then it's also just oftentimes how you learn from other people too. You look at a lot of cultures, they pass down knowledge through stories. It's something that humans did for thousands of years. So it's not really a surprise, but that's how we learn. Through stories. It actually... It would be surprising if that wasn't how we learned, (laughs) to be honest, considering that's how we act things out in the world, and then that's also the best way that we learn from others. So that's what you need to remember as a communicator. The importance of taking what you learned and first telling the story of how you learned it. See if you can get the person to have that exact same kind of epiphany. And then you can get into the logical arguments after that. But if you just throw a bunch of logic at them, a bunch of facts, and you lecture and deliver a message, it actually makes you want to push back against what the person's saying when somebody does that to you. Like, eh, no. Sometimes. Sometimes it's nice just to get the information given to you. But usually... You only like having that information given to you when it's something 
that you're already emotionally invested in. I think that's pretty crucial there. So the key thing there, and this is, I think all of these points today are things that I'm going to continue to build and work on. But the key one there is just, if you're trying to teach something, figure out how to tell it with a story. And the easiest way to do that is remember how you learned that thing and tell the story of how you learned it. Don't just say what you learned. Tell the story of how you learned it. Now, finally, I just want to go into some of what kind of the different side of becoming a better communicator. These were all kind of like tactics and things that you can apply into your day-to-day life. The next is kind of the philosophy of how to become a better version of yourself overall, which includes becoming a better communicator. Something I've been working on recently is, or trying out recently, experimenting with, is to-do lists in the morning. Because how I was going about it in the past was basically just trying to work like 16 hours a day. And I would just figure out, okay, what should I be doing right now? I would try to do it, and then I'd finish it, and then I'd say, okay, what's the next thing I should do? I'd do it, and I'd finish it, and then just do that all day long. The problem is that is it gets exhausting because you're never done working because there's always something else you could do to become a better communicator. Literally never done. The other problem with that is you actually end up getting less stuff done because there's no incentive to finish something quickly because there's just more work after it. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, so why even walk through the tunnel? You know? And you end up just wasting a lot of time or dragging things out or procrastinating. Doesn't work very well. So something I've been trying is wake up in the morning, write out your to-do list of the things you want to do, and then do them throughout the day. And then once you check off all your things, call it for the day. You did exactly what you wanted to do, and that's good. Now... Right off the bat, I thought this was going to work. I thought it was going to be a great way to get better at communication because I could say, all right, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd write down, I want to do a wildfire forecast, I want to do a one-minute concise video, and then I want to record one of these podcasts saying the lessons I learned. Three things in the day, not bad. I could do that, no problem. Then, once I do those, I have a great incentive to do those because then, after that, it's free time. Could have a bunch of fun. And the key part about that is free time comes after because you don't really enjoy free time if you're trying to do it before your work. The work stays in the bottom of your mind and you don't really get to enjoy your free time as much. You still can, but it's not as much. Something that I realized, though, was that when you write down things that you basically have to do, It takes all the joy out of doing it because now it's something you have to do. And then when you do it, it's not like, hey, I didn't really have to do this and I decided to do it. That's where you get that sense of achievement, where you know that you went the extra mile. When you just have a list of things and then you check off those lists, 
It's not like you went the extra mile. It's, yeah, you did what was on the list. You had to do it. So it takes out all of that kind of positive emotion. It doesn't exactly feel like you're working towards something. It feels like you're almost just like going through the motions. I don't know. So I think I'm going to try to switch it up tomorrow again. Today I just kind of took the day off trying to figure out a better method of doing these kind of things. And I think the best way to go about it is, I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but kind of similar to what I was doing in the past, where you basically just live in the moment, figure out what's the top priority thing that you should be doing right now to become a better communicator, and then you do it. Once you finish that, you do the next best thing to become a better communicator, finish that. Where I'm going to try to change from the past is watch myself and kind of feel where you've gotten that sense of achievement, where you feel like you've done enough for the day. Then if you want a real sense of achievement, you do just a little bit more after that. Just a little bit more, that's worth all the rest. Then you really get that sense of achievement. Then you call it quits for the day, and you can really enjoy your free time. The key point there is, you don't. it's not things that you have to do. You're understanding that everything that you do throughout the day is just because you want to. You want to do it because you want that sense of achievement. And you want to transform and become a better version of yourself. That's really the most important part. You want that feeling that you improved yourself today and you didn't just waste a bunch of time. But it's much more fun if it feels like you're not being forced to do it. Like it's something that you're doing because you actually want to, not because you have to. And it sounds like such a kind of ticky-tacky type thing, but it does make a massive difference does make a massive difference. So I'm going to try that in the future. Not, I do like writing down what you do. I, I first noticed this with working out. When I would write down what my workout was every day, I was much more likely to work out because I wanted to like keep the streak going. I liked seeing all the days pile up and I liked seeing that I would worked out like every day for two months straight or something maybe one or two days off. I'm kind of expanding on that idea, but how I went about it incorrectly was, in the past, I would work out, and then I'd write my workout. Tennis. Surfed. Something like that. And it made my workouts much more consistent. Then I thought I'd try it with food, after I eat something, write down what I eat, and with that, so far, I've been eating out a lot less, which was one of my goals, to save money. And then I've also actually been eating healthier too, which is interesting. Not, not even what I set out to do. Set out mainly to try to be eating out less. But I've actually just been eating healthier as well just from writing down the food I've eaten after I eat it. Sounds incredibly simple, but it's actually surprising how well that works. Yeah, so I'm basically trying to take that idea and apply it to becoming a better communicator. Now, how I went about it wrong in the past 
was I was writing things down before I did them. And then it felt like I had to do them to be able to check that thing and make make it real. Basically, I had to do it. In the future, I'm going to switch to what I have been doing with the workouts and the food. Decide if I want to do something. If I do want to do something, if I do want to become a better version of myself as a communicator, then I can do it if I want to. And then once I do it, you write it down. See how many things you could write it write down throughout the day before you feel like you've done enough. Do maybe a little bit more after that. And then take a nice break and actually be able to enjoy your free time. And even more than enjoying your free time is actually just getting peace of mind. And that sense of accomplishment and the knowledge that you became a better version of yourself.